Well, hey, good morning. Good to be back with you all. I, uh, I played hooky last week, so if you did too, I wouldn't know. Um, you're off the hook. Uh, but last week, uh, Jenny and I were able to uh, go away on vacation. My awesome friend Jennifer Potter uh, was here preaching. She did a great job. Uh, but Jenny and I went away uh, to North Carolina uh, for a couple days. And what was really great about this trip is that we left our kids home. Yeah. Not home alone. We, we left them with someone. Um, but uh, so it was, uh, it was kind of a, a scramble, you know, this, like trying to get out the door and, you know, we got two little kids, four and two. And so we're trying to pack their bags so they can uh, stay the week with Yaya and Pops and we're trying to get our stuff ready. Uh, and so finally we get around to packing our bags. And uh, have you ever made this mistake before of, of going on a trip that, that once you get to where you intended to get to, you realize that you didn't bring with you the things that you needed for once you got there. <clears throat> so we, uh, we love cold weather, uh, but since moving back to Florida about six years ago, we've gotten reacclimated to this tropical jungle of Satan's armpit that's known as Florida. And, and so what we packed with us was like, winter coats and gym shorts and like not a whole lot in between. And um, we were kind of missing some of the essentials. You know what I mean? I forgot to pack some, some essentials. And so uh, you, you got, you got, you got to pack the essentials. And so that's what I want to talk to you for a few moments. Uh, well, many moments uh, today is about packing the essentials. Because all of us are on a journey somewhere. They say the only thing that's constant in life is change. And change can be difficult, change can be stressful, change can, can bring about a whole lot of fear. But change is necessary for our growth and for our progress. That progress is about getting to where you got to get to from where you currently are that you just arrived at from where you recently just were. Or, to put it much more simply, progress is about that constant movement towards a good goal. So while we're here talking about goals for a minute, let me, let me just explain some of this before we really kind of dig in to the rest of it. Because after all, Goals are, are really just destination points that, that we hope that we will one day arrive at, but we are not currently at right now. And so what is it that you have to pack with you, bring with you, so that you are prepared for when you get to that destination or, or you, you reach that goal? What are the essentials that you need to bring with you? And so, you know, we talk about goals a whole lot. Who, who in here is a, is a big goal setter, setter? I said goal setter, not goal keeper. You don't have to actually keep them, but just like, yeah, New Year's resolution, sign me up. Woo, I'll do this. Um, that's me. Um, but but we, set, we set a lot of goals or, or maybe, you know, our boss sets a goal for us or our company does or, or maybe, you know, you feel uh, societal pressures that kind of influence your goals. Um, but, and this isn't necessarily like a Christian thing, this is just like a thing thing, but we'll get to the Christian thing about this thing in a minute. Um, but this one's just for free. 
the, the reaching, reaching your goal, whatever it might be, reaching your goal is only as good as your goal is good. Let me say that again. That, that reaching your goal is only as good, only as significant, only as, as worthy as you, the goal itself is good. Or I could say it this way, that, that even though you may hit the nail on the head, if the board is rotten, it ain't gonna stick. Your goal is only as good. Reaching the goal is only as good as your goal is Good. And so, of the goals that you have now, have you ever paused to ask the question, is this goal actually good? And I know that may seem like a silly question at first, because after all, who sets bad goals? Who tries to intentionally set themselves up to fail? But, but as we're going to see today, uh, the Apostle Paul, he had this goal, and he actually reached it, but it wasn't until he reached it that he realized this wasn't a good goal to begin with, that he was running the wrong race, that he was after the wrong prize, that he had hit the nail on the head, but the board, in fact, was rotten. And, and I see, I see that, that sometimes we allow others, our boss, our family, our you know, societal influences and, and pressures us to set these goals that may not actually be good goals, but we don't find that out until we've reached it. Okay, that's enough of that for now. We're going to take a hard left turn right now, okay? Uh, But we're going to kind of circle back around to that in a minute. Um, So I want to take you to the beginning of uh, Philippians chapter 3, and uh, and this is going to get a little weird for a moment, so just hang with me, but we're going to go somewhere today, I promise. Uh, So this is Philippians chapter 3, and uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to this small church in Philippi that he founded about a decade ago. And now Paul's off in jail somewhere. Uh, but the Philippians, they're, they're doing all right on their own. They've, they've survived about a decade as a new church start, which is great, pretty impressive. Uh, but there's still some things from their past that they haven't fully dealt with. And they're trying to figure out, you know, how do we get to that next step? How do we, how do we make progress of, of what we believe that God is calling us to? What are the essentials that they need to pack with them? And so this is what Paul says. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch this. Well, watch out for those dogs. I like that. Those evildoers. Those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. I told you that we were going to take a hard left turn and things were going to get a little weird, okay? Dogs. Who's the Apostle Paul calling a dog? Who are these dogs and who let them out? And so... It's not really a polite thing to call someone a dog, and neither was it in in Paul's day, but but you all, you know what a dog does. You've you've seen this. You've played this game before. 
a dog grabs hold of something and doesn't let it go. A dog just kind of keeps holding on to something. Once they latch on to something, they just keep holding on to it, shaking it, never letting it go. Well, that's exactly the same thing that, that Paul is talking about here. That there's this group of people who have latched on to this bad theology, this stinking thinking, and they ain't ever letting go. And so Paul says, look, I've said it before and I'll say it again until I'm blue in the face. They dogs. They're mutilators of the flesh. You see, there's this group of Jewish people, and, and Paul, Paul was Jewish, so he's got no problem with Judaism at all. Hear me say that clearly. He's got no problem with Judaism, but he has a problem with this bad theology because there was this group of Jewish people who were part of this church that kept trying to get these newly converted Gentiles to be circumcised. Because circumcision was for the Jewish male, the sign or the mark that you were God's people, that you were now a part of God's family. You needed that. Without that mark of circumcision, you were without God. But the gospel message that Paul has been preaching was that you did not need to be physically circumcised to be a part of God's people. And that's good news, <laughs> The only mark, the only mark of being a part of God's people, Paul says, is, is that you need to serve the Spirit. Paul says it's, it's about faith. It, it's not about what happens on the outside that, that validates your relationship with Christ. It's about what happens on the inside. It's by faith, not by flesh. You see, we, we try to please others with our flesh, but Paul says we can't please God with our flesh. We please God by our faith. For God doesn't see things the way that we see things. God looks upon the heart. And so don't put any confidence in the flesh, Paul says. But there's this group that's just obsessed with the flesh. They're, they're obsessed with this idea and they won't let it go. And so listen to what Paul says next in verse four. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, well, look, I have more. Paul says, Look, if y'all want to put confidence in the flesh, in, in what they can see and what goes on a resume, if y'all want to put confidence in the flesh, well, then I've got more. Let's, let's compare circumcisions. You want to play the game of whose circumcision is better, which is a weird game to play, but he says, I'll play, I'll play because I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. The day that you were supposed to be circumcised, if you were a good Jewish boy from a good Jewish family, of the tribe of Israel, that's God's chosen people, God's holy people, of the tribe of Benjamin, that's the tribe that kings came from. And so not only am I already part of God's holy chosen people, I'm from the best tribe. You want to talk about flesh? Come on, my flesh is impressive, Paul says. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. That's the strictest order of the Jewish law keepers. And Paul says, I got a full ride to study under Gamaliel. He's a genius. As for zeal, persecuting the church. I've been killing Christians since before you were born. Get off me, son. 
as for righteousness based on the law, faultless, faultless. You want to look at the outside? Baby, I woke up like this, faultless. But, 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 it's all genetics. It's all circumstantial luck. I was circumcised. That's outward. From the tribe of Benjamin, that's genetics. But I want God to fix my insides, Paul says, because I've known what a mess I am on the inside. That when it came to righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. I hit the nail on the head. But only then did I realize that the board was rotten. And it's funny, but it's also not really, because some of y'all have been doing the same things. Some of y'all have been coming to church since the day that you were born on the pew, but to this day you still don't really know why you show up except for to see your friends. Come on, we still put confidence in the flesh. We show up on Sundays and our Sunday at best to be seen by others instead for the purpose of seeing God. Follow the rules, check the boxes, never miss a Sunday, perfect Sunday school attendance record, whatever it is, but not an ounce of Jesus evident in our lives. Lord, have mercy. Paul says, that was me. I get it. I used to compare myself to everyone else for so long, and then it finally brought me to a breaking point. Not because I had hit rock bottom, but because I was on top. I used to think that I was all that, until one day Jesus came along and knocked me off my high horse, blinding me from my cocky, conceited confidence in my own self, And I stopped comparing myself to others. And then I compared myself to Jesus. And when I finally compared myself to him, I realized I have no reason to boast. I have no confidence in myself. Look at what he says in verse 7. Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. That at the end of the day, if I have to take an L for the purpose of Christ, then that's, that's all gain to me. That's, that's a win for me. Because everything that I, I thought was a credit in my relational currency with God, it's actually a debit. <laughs> The, the ledger line has moved when I've been trying to balance my soul. All this stuff that I, I thought was gain, it's actually a loss. I thought that I was doing all the right things, but, but I was just going through the motions. Swept up in the momentum that was, that was moving me in the wrong direction. What I thought was most impressive was actually just the least important. I made it all the way to the top, but I forgot to pack the essentials. Dang, if that's not a word for us today. 
Because we think that we can impress someone with something about ourselves, then, then we must be important. And that must be important. But maybe, maybe all that impressive stuff, all that impressive stuff in the end isn't really all that important. See, we have a tendency to celebrate just kind of all of the wrong things. We put our confidence in our flesh, but God wants us to praise him with our faith. And Paul realizes now that, that he has to give up what was really impressive in order to reach for what was most important. So he goes on in verse 8, says this, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. That Greek word is scrupula, trash, garbage, the rotten entrails that fall out of an animal after you dress it. That's what all my accomplishments are before Christ. That's what they're all worth because now I'm pursuing something far more valuable that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I lost confidence in myself. But look, I gained Christ, Paul says. You know, losing confidence in yourself is sometimes a necessary step in progression in your faith. Because we're saved by grace, through faith. Not by our own works, not that anyone can boast, but we're saved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to forgive us of our sins that I no longer have a reason to boast except for to boast in the name of Christ Jesus at whose feet I lay all my trophies, all my accomplishments, all my worldly glories down. All my gains are loss. And what more could I ask for? What more could I ask for but take the world and give me Jesus? That's joy. That's what Paul says here. Even as he's writing this letter from a prison cell, this is joy. Even though my feet are chained in shackles, no matter the circumstance, I still consider it joy. It may seem like I've lost everything, but these chains, they're for Jesus. So these chains are only gains. That's joy. And that's, that's the paradox of progress. Y'all know what a paradox is? Paradox is a seemingly self-contradictory statement that turns out to be true the more that you test it and the more that you examine it. The key to success is humility. That's a paradox. 
asks. It is better to give than to receive. That is a paradox. It seems like a contradiction, but it just happens to be true. And you know, sometimes I feel like I'm a, con- like I'm a paradox. I'm simultaneously a saint and a sinner. That, that I want to know Christ, but the more I get to know, the more questions that I have. I, I want to know Christ, but I know that I'm still a mess. But our perfect God desires imperfect people to praise him. Paul says, I had to lose a whole lot to gain what is more. I I had to leave behind everything to gain this one thing, this one thing being Christ. That's that's the paradox of progress, that while there is gain, there is also necessary loss. That the closer that we get to knowing Christ, the further it seems that you have to go. The longer the road seems to stretch out. Paul says, look, I've I've been holding on to some goals And only now do I realize that they were only holding me back from reaching the goals that God was trying to give me. So I wonder, I wonder how much of your life have you spent reaching for the wrong goal? You see, the past that that Paul's looking back on, he's remembering all of this stuff, the past that he's looking back on, he's, he's not looking at all of his mistakes, though, though he's quick to admit those when, when he has. Instead here, he's looking back on his past that's, that's full of accomplishments, that's full of accolades. And he says, listen, Philippians, y'all don't know who you're dealing with. I'm a Jew of the Jews of the tribe of Benjamin, but, but I've learned that I have to put my past progress behind me. Because you can become so satisfied with past progress that you forget to look ahead and see how far you still have to go. Sometimes the greatest thing that will keep you from growing is your past progress. That we want those things that that used to define us, we we want to carry them with us into the future. But sometimes if we're going to evolve, we have no other choice but to let them go. We have to give up what is most impressive for what is most important. So what's what's the essentials? What's the essentials that you need to pack with you as you progress forward? Paul said, I I had this really impressive residue from my, my religious resume, but in order to pursue what was really important, and in order to actually get there, I had to stop trying so friggin' hard. That's what he says in the Greek. (laughs) Because it's all, it's all trash. It's all trash compared to knowing Christ, being connected to Christ, and walking in the purposes that Christ has for my life. I want to know Christ. And Paul says that, that to know Christ means that you have to be in partnership with his sufferings. That, that to know Christ means that you have to know what sacrifice means. 
To know Christ means that, that you're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to sacrifice some things that you can't know a Christ without a cross. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and, and participate in his sufferings and become like him in his death. What the heck does that even mean? Does it mean that, that I want to die just like Christ died? Watch this. It, it means that I want to live like Christ died for me. You with me? That I, I want to live my life like Christ died for me. I want to live my life in such a way that Christ's death and resurrection was not in vain. Paul goes on, he says this in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, all I'm trying to do is take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And that's beautiful. I'm not trying to arrive at a place where God loves me. I'm just trying to live out of the love that he has already demonstrated for me through the cross. That's the paradox of progress. It's already yours. It's not a goal. It's a gift that God has given to you and to me that what you're reaching for is already yours. The grace that you need to change today is already yours. The grace that you need to move forward is already yours. The grace that you need to rise up is already yours. What you're reaching for is already yours. Not that you fully arrived, not that you're there at the destination, but the gift, the opportunity, the strength is already there waiting for you but you're going to have to let go of some things in order to reach for what God has already given you. Paul says in verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. If you don't agree with me, then God's going to straighten you out. Don't worry about it. Says this verse 16, and this is this is really interesting. This is where we're gonna end. He says, Only, only let us live up to what we have already attained. It's a gift. It's a gift. So go ahead, lay down your trophies. Go ahead, lay down your accomplishments and your accolades. Go ahead and lay down confidence in yourself. Stop trying to do it your way and take hold of that one thing that is essential for your progress, Christ. Stop tr striving to try to be who God has already said that you are, his child. Because, man, I'm tired of trying to run a race that I know that I can never win on my own. Only let us live up to what we have already attained through Christ. 
only let us apprehend that for which Christ has already apprehended, taken hold of us. And the reason, the reason why I think this is so important, and the reason why I think that this brings so much joy, is because I know what my flesh can do. And so I put no confidence in it. I've seen what my accomplishments have brought me. And I put no confidence in my own works anymore. I know where my own judgments have led me, how my prejudices have harmed others and isolated me. I put no confidence in that anymore. I've seen where my confidence in my own self has had me running a race that I could never actually win in the first place. So I put no confidence in my confidence anymore. I'm ready now to only boast in Christ Jesus and no other name or no other thing. I'm ready to leave it all behind and press on, strive towards that thing that God has already taken hold of for me, Grace, my debt has been paid. My gains are all lost. My only credit, my only credit now is to boast in Christ Jesus. That is my joy. The cross before me, that's the one thing needed. That's essential. The cross before me and the world behind me. No turning back. Because I, you know it, I have decided follow, to press on, to strive, decided to follow Jesus. And so God, Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our victories and our defeats. You know our profits, and you know our losses. And God, you know what it is that we need most. And that thing never changes. God, we need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We need your love. We need your mercy. Lord, you are so good because you give it so freely. You've already run the race. You've been tired, beaten down. You've sacrificed. And you hold it out there for us. You've claimed the prize for us. So, Lord... God, whatever it is that that we need to kind of leave behind in order to hold on to that, may it be so. If it's our pride, if it's our ego, if it's our resume with all of our past progress and our accomplishments and the accolades and all that stuff, God, if that's what's holding us back from this thing that you offer us, Lord, help us to leave it Help us to leave it at the foot of your cross. Receive this new life. 
God, I pray that you would speak that word of love and grace, that you would hold out that prize before each and every one of us here today. God, give us the faith to put our confidence in you, to reach out towards you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.